So once again, it is movie time. And today I want to talk about Terminator 2, the second Terminator. Is it as good as the first one? No, it's actually not. It's actually somehow worse than the first Terminator. I came into this film believing that this would be the better film. I've been told time and time again, you know, well, first one's just okay, but the second one, right, it's, it's the number one grossing film for years, and I honestly don't know why. I think the idea of making Arnold Schwarzenegger the protagonist following him around, having him being the good guy, I think that's actually really interesting. I know it's kind of a weird buy-in because he's this robotic figure, but it's, it's genuinely just... Like, it's a good idea, I think. And I, I made a bunch of notes because I was like, you know, I, I could complain a lot about the first one, but the second one, it's so long. I mean, let's just talk about that for a minute. It is two and a half hours long, and it's actually not one movie. It's actually, if you think about it, it's actually two different movies. There's movie one, which is the bad guy, I don't know his name, the Terminator, is going after John Connor. And then the second movie is whatever his name is, trying to destroy the computer thing and the first movie is really interesting it's exciting and that what it's what takes up the first kind of like 45 minutes of the film but from the moment they go on to mexico or wherever it's it's really boring and not only does that scene drag and i understand why they had to have that scene because there's a lot of things that just aren't explained but it drags so much because there's just no conflict the whole point of a movie is to constantly be in conflict and there is no conflict in thing. It's just a bunch of people sitting around going, exposition, 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 exposition. And it is just, why do we care? And one of the things I will congratulate Terminator 2 for being is Sarah Connor's kind of a badass. In the first film, I talked about how she's just not really an interesting character and she's just a damsel in distress. But in the second one, she definitely finds her own and she's definitely much more independent and she does for, for herself. I mean, sure, she has to, like, have the help of the Terminator, but it's much more like, all right, she's doing her own thing. Now, of course, that's not to say that she's a necessarily likable character. I mean, she's clearly not a good mother. I guess she's, like, preparing her son for, like, the future and she's, like, doing what's best for him. But she's kind of a bad mom. Like, there is not a single, like, loving moment between the mother and child. And maybe that's supposed to be purposeful. And that is not a criticism of the film itself. It's more of a criticism of just... Sarah Connor's not really a likable character. I don't know why people like her so much. Why can Sarah Connor dream the future? Like, is it because she had sex with Kyle, with the guy from the future? But again and again through the film, you see her dreaming of the future. And just like the fir first film, I was like, the future no one really cares about. And they did a lot less of it in this film, which is a good thing. But there's still too much of it. Like, the big opening scene, unnecessary. We know what the Terminators are. You don't really need that. Also, the whole idea of sending multiple Terminators at different times, just, I don't know, why not just send, like, the good Arnold Schwarzenegger to the original and just have him by him? Like, why, why send them to di two different times? What, what exactly is the logic of that? That still doesn't explain how, how can she dream the future? And even if she can dream the future, who cares? Secondly, my question is, how, has James Cameron ever been to, like, a mental hospital or mental institution? Because that's not really how they work. It kind of feels like James Cameron saw like the first five minutes of One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And he's like, let's do that. But like two and 11. And it's just like all of the people there are just like the shittiest people for no reason. Like I, I can accept, I can buy into the idea that some people are shitty, but they have to have motivations. They have to have reason. People aren't just shitty to be shitty people. They have reasons. They think they're doing the right thing. No one thinks they're a bad person. It's just not how the world exists. And then there's the scene with the, with the psychiatrist. I, 
I don't think he really knows what a psychiatrist or a psychologist does, because, like, he'll say things, and that's not... That's not really what they do. Also, there's this scene where he and Sarah Connor are meeting to see if she should be released, which is weird, because, okay, sure, every six months you kind of reevaluate. But literally a week ago, you find out that she had stabbed someone in the knee. So within, like, a week time period, they're like, no, even though you stabbed someone in the knee, let's still reconsider this. Like, yeah, they say no at the end, but, like, they were pretty close, which is... That's not great. I mean, maybe, maybe have a little more, like, hey, if you stab someone, like, let's just add another six months on that, because stabbing people, not really a cool idea. Okay, and then there's this scene where <laughs> the bad Terminator and the good Terminator, it's the first time they face each other, and we're all excited, we're pumped, and the bad Terminator points his gun at the good Terminator, and he has just, like, this little handgun, and he's just shooting it. Like, just not, he's not moving, he's just standing there shooting him. Like, at least walk up to him, at least move in the direction of him. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, he's like, covering the kid, and I, I get why he can't move, but the other guy, why not move closer to him? You know, go to hand-hand. You have that knife, and he never uses that kind of, like, sword hand against Arnold Schwarzenegger for some reason, even though, until, like, the very end. Even though he has it the whole time. And then when Arnold Schwarzenegger is driving the motorcycle, the way he loads his gun, I mean, that's just really cool. But what happens when he, like, how, how much ammunition exactly does that shotgun hold? It seems like he would have run out of ammo and had to, like, reload the whole thing, which there's no way he's driving and doing that. So, no one ever lies in the films, which is weird, isn't it? I mean, just, just a little bit. You know, in this film and the film before, the bad guy will ask, you know, where are you? And they just hang up the phone. Lie to them. Tell them they went in the opposite direction. There's a moment where John Connor's friend, hey, have you seen this kid? And he just goes, no. Like, okay, he lies. But tell them he went the other way. I mean, if they know that you're looking for him, push him in the opposite direction. The Terminator, he's on the phone. Tell him you went the opposite direction. If you're going south, tell him you went north. Tell him you went to Canada. At least, like, throw him off a little bit. Don't just be like, oh, we're just gonna hang up. That just, just doesn't seem like a really great idea. John Connor is an asshole. That's, that's entirely what this note says. It just says, John Connor is an asshole. Change my mind. He is. There is that scene right after the phone where, you know, these, like, two, like, older guys who aren't the best of people by any means. He's like, that, and you're like, ah, and, and they're kind of, like, picking on the little kid. And now you're really picking on them. They're just like, honestly, they came over because they're like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. They're like, oof, whatever, dipshit. Like, it's just like a throwaway remark. And John Connor's like, torture those people. And of course, the robot is like, yeah, of course I'm gonna torture people. And John Connor's like, well, you can't kill them. You just need to hurt them a bunch. I don't know if that makes John Connor a better person. And this kind of plays into the end of the film about the, the shootout with Arnold Schwarzenegger standing in the window shooting at the police officers. Why? What's the point of that scene? I get that John Connor's like, hey, don't kill people. That seems like morally correct. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, okay, that's what you told me to do, don't do it. He shoots the cars, doesn't really stop anybody. He kills literally zero people, which there is no way you are shooting a minigun and then like basically like tiny bombs. No one's getting hurt from that. Like I get you're like a robot, but there's no way. Like there's a single like casualty, no way. And then when you don't kill all those people, all those people end up coming in and then kill like Miles whatever, which doesn't seem like better. Like kill the cops. John Connor, let go of your morals. It's kind of killing you. Like if you're literally risking your own life because you don't want to hurt these people, 
they're shooting guns at you. I think it's time to shoot them. If Arnold Schwarzenegger had just been like, hey, I'm gonna kill people and just killed all these people, they could have just walked out of there. Miles would definitely be alive. And honestly, a lot more people would be alive. John Connor literally put his own mother at risk because he's like, ah, oh, I don't want you to hurt people. Kind of stupid, don't you think? Here's another thing that just baffled me multiple times in the film. Why do they take the elevator? Honestly, there are stairs everywhere. There are always stairs. That's how buildings work. Buildings have stairs. Or in the 80s, did buildings just not have stairs? Was that not a thing that they had in the 80s? Was, was like, are stairs a new thing? I'm pretty sure they had stairs in the 80s. I've seen The Exorcist. There's stairs in that. So why do they keep taking the elevator? Of robots coming after them, they're like, you know what we should do? Take the elevator, the world's slowest moving machine. They're only on the second floor. Don't take the elevator, take the stairs. And then they do it again. There is a literal bomb about to go off and you're like, you know what we should do? Take the elevator. Why? It's a terrible idea. And if they had taken the stairs, they'd go out the back. I mean, if you, if you watch that scene, there are no police officers behind the building. They could have just walked away. No one had to die, no one had to crash into buildings, but of course James Cameron is so concerned with making cool action scenes and explosions, he kind of misses the point of the movie. He misses the all of the points if we're being completely honest. So let's talk about the voiceover. So I don't like voiceovers just in general. I think 98% of the time they're dumb and useless. I think there are times when a voiceover is good. There's this quote that my professor once told me, which is the only time you need a voiceover is when you don't need a voiceover. If you need a voiceover for exposition, don't do a voiceover, which is exactly what happens in this film. Like if you, if you could just cut out all those voiceovers, the film would be so much better. It really would. All those moments where it's just Sarah Connor going, oh, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. No one cares. I don't know how it doesn't piss everyone else off. It's just entirely pointless. So there is this continual paradox in the film that kind of like circles its back. And I thought they're gonna like try to explain the paradox, like what happened the first time around, but they don't. They just double down on the fact that there's a paradox. Like John knows that there is a paradox, which makes it all the more confusing. And I guess like it makes sense to tell him so you can continue the paradox so he continues to exist in the future, however that works. And then she goes to Miles to kill him, but you're telling me in no other timeline she did that? This can't be the first timeline, it's impossible. John Connor wouldn't exist, John Connor couldn't have sent Kyle back unless John Connor was a figment of her imagination, but that doesn't make sense because then the Terminator wouldn't need to exist. So John Connor exists, which means they're in the third or fourth timeline. This is the first time that she's like, yes, I'm gonna kill Miles. No way, there's no way she isn't doing, that is not, there's no way that's not the first thing that she does. Kill Miles, end it all. And then John's like, no, we shouldn't kill him. I mean, yeah, probably, they, she probably could have just like gone up to him and been like, hey, this guy's a robot, let's destroy it. And he'd be like, okay. And that's what they end up doing anyway. So why, why try to kill him? So at the beginning of the film, there is this moment where he hacks into an ATM, which, okay, I'll buy it. You know, it's a little, let's be honest, it's not like that's definitely gonna happen, but I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy that 12 year old can hack into an ATM. But then they go to Skynet, this company that literally builds robots in like 10 years from now, and he breaks like their most precious safe open. No, there's no way. First of all, there's no way that is just a four digit code. Like there are way too many, there are way too few variables to just do four digits. There's no way. And I like the idea of Miles unable to use his card. Great, that makes it more interesting. 
but there is no way that 12-year-old kid is hacking into, into the world's right most renowned research facility. And maybe they're still in the early stages, but they're literally on the cusp of artificial intelligence. And you're telling me that they're... <laughs> their most important information. That just seems like a terrible idea. And there's no way, there's no way. I mean, that'd be like me walking into Google and like the microchip that defined Google and everything ran off of this one microchip. They'd guard it a little bit better. I mean, they would have more than one night guard, don't you think? I mean, this is a multi-million dollar research lab. There's no way a 12 year old tacking into that. Let's take a minute to talk about Milestaff. Why is he given the detonator? Give it to literally anyone else. Give it to the kid. At least the kid's competent. That guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's building artificial intelligence. He has no tactical training. They're like, that's the guy that should have the detonator. He should be in the front. He should be the one running away the most. What? In fact, once they get in, he should just leave. He doesn't really need to be there. If he had just left at that point, been like, okay, my work's here done. Still be alive. Still living a pretty happy life. Everyone leaves before him. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the robot, leaves before him. Why? Arnold Schwarzenegger can be shot with like a thousand guns. Protect Miles. He seems like a genuinely good person. Why are we just like, nah, who cares about this guy? And, and speaking of three-dimensional characters, let's take a moment to talk about Arnold. I, I talked about before how I already thought he's a three-dimensional character in the first film, and I think he's even more so in this, and they're trying to kind of work on that. One of the things that I didn't like about it is the only way that he can be a three-dimensional character is if they reset him. There's no point for that. The, the whole scene's just kind of pointless. I mean, other than the part where like she tries to destroy it, I get that, and I think that kind of adds like, hey, like the different sides of John and Sarah Connor and how they relate to him. I'm not saying that's not important, but just, he clearly learns in the first film. Why can't they just let him grow? Why is it that he can only grow if they decide that he can grow? That just kind of like, it kind of dims down the character a bit. It's again, having your hand held and saying, well, now he can be a three-dimensional character because James Cameron has officially decided that he is three-dimensional worthy. He was a three he was making choices before they reset him. He was learning, he was becoming more human, even in the first film. And yeah, I get it's not really the same one, although that's a little bit complicated. I'm not really sure why they keep sending the same Terminator back or how that works. But he's already an interesting character, so there's no reason to just go, let's just give him a reason to be interesting. He can just be interesting for the fact that he is interesting. I think even more problem in this film than the last film which is the idea of coincidences. I am not a fan of coincidences. Let's just take a moment to recognize how the bad Terminator dies. So first, he just happens to be driving a truck full of liquid nitrogen. That just happens, like you just kind of fumble upon that. I don't know if you've ever been on a road or on a highway. Those aren't just, just driving around everywhere. So he fumbles into like the one liquid nitrogen and then, <laughs> The good guys specifically drive somehow, which they seem to be finding these over and over again, this machine, like an iron facility, and they drive right into it because they're like, that's a good idea. Not really sure why they thought about that. Maybe stay on the road and don't do that. It crashes, the robot's frozen, and you're like, ah, they defeated him. And then he is unfrozen, I guess. I don't really entirely understand how that works because liquid nitrogen... I mean, it would, it would literally break the pieces, I don't know. Whatever, not my place. So he, he warms up, he comes back, and then they're, they're fighting. And I do think that the scene, that the ending is much more interesting than the last ending, I, although it goes way too long. I remember looking at the actual timestamp and there was another 30 minutes and I'm just like, oh my gosh. 
And they did the exact same thing they did in the last film, which is let's get a big truck, just have the big truck follow this small car. It's just cars driving on and there's no like creative shots or like creative moments. And I just don't really care that much if they die or not. So supposedly this T-1000 can change into any shape. Seems like a pretty good idea. Seems pretty cool. I like the different shapes that he changes into. I wonder why he keeps changing into the police officer. Like when he can change into any shape. If at any point in the film he had just been like, hey, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger, da 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 da, kill John Connor, kill Sarah Connor, it's over, it's done. It would have been very easy. He could have done that much earlier in the film. The moment he realized that that guy is trying to save John Connor, you can just be like, oh, I'm just gonna turn to him, walk my way over there, kill him. Easy. Doesn't do that. Captures uh, Sarah Connor, the one and only. And instead of just killing her, which would be the logical thing to do if you are a robot set on killing John Connor, just kill Sarah Connor. Just kill her. There's no reason to keep her alive, except for the movie wants to keep her alive and have the opportunity for sequels. The robot wouldn't do it. He would kill her immediately. Instead, he tortures her and he's like, call out her name. But wait a minute, he can mimic anyone's voice and then he goes on to mimic her. But just do that. Why? Why do you even need it? What? First of all, kill her, and then just become her. Why do you feel the need, other than to create this arbitrary tension that James Cameron is obsessed with? In fact, he could have gone to Sarah Connor much, much earlier, in, like the moment he sees Sarah Connor, and been like, boom, I'm her now. Probably been even easier than going as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Didn't do that either. Not really sure why. And then at the end of the film, he dies, which, I mean, I guess like his death is like, interesting. I mean, I like like Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of like coming back and then sacrificing himself. And you really do see the dimensions of Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. And I will say, if there's one thing I like this, about this film that I didn't like about the last, is the characters, pretty much all of them are interesting. But overall, out of six thumbs, I only give it one thumb. And the reason I like this film less than the other Terminator movie is just, it's too long. If they had cut out all this stuff about Skynet, you get an hour less, and now you're at an hour and a half, hour 45 minutes, and it's a much tighter film, and it's a much more interesting film. And if you want to do the Skynet stuff, just make a film like that. It seems like he got two films and just tried to smush them together into one giant film. And that doesn't work. Just make two separate films. It's fine. And just release them. You'd probably make even more money. But then again, this is one of the highest grossing films of all time. So obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I don't get why people like James Cameron movies. And I know Avatar recently just became the number one movie again. And I just don't get it. So c comment below. Why is Terminator 2 a movie people like? Because I, I just don't get it.